Welcome to the Community Corner, the podcast powered by Bevy. I'm your host, Beth McIntyre. In this show, I interview community builders from all spaces in the industry. Stay tuned for actionable strategies to learn and community stories to love, all in 15 minutes. I'm excited to have my next guest, Melanie Bond, who is the Director of Community at Nanet. Today, Melanie talks about the steps she took to launch their community, which is only about three months old. Melanie shares how they planned the strategy behind the launch, how things have changed since launching, and advice she has for anyone else starting a community from scratch. Welcome to the Community Corner, Melanie. It's such a pleasure to have you with me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, let's dive right in. First question, can you describe what Nanit is and what exactly you do in your role? Yes, I would be happy to. So Nanit is at its core a baby monitoring device, but I really believe we're so much more than just a monitor. So we really connect you to your baby's health and well-being. And the way that we do that and kind of what makes Nanit so unique and different from other monitors in the market is that we really leverage all of the data that we have on baby sleep. And then we provide you with both age and sleep-related tips within our app that you have access to. So really, the hope with Nanit is that you and your baby are going to sleep better. You can really rely on us to alert you when your baby needs you. But then we have all of this great technology that allows you to track your baby's breathing and height. So that's why I like to say we're more than just a monitor. That's us at our core, but we've really leveraged technology to uh, help support our parents through that journey that they go through. Very cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then what I do, so I'm the director of community. So really I was brought on to launch our very first community. So um, when I joined Nanit back in February of this year, We were kind of working through finalizing the community strategy and then figuring out how we were going to integrate the community into our app. So what's really important for us with our community is that it feels integrated into everything that our parents are already doing within our platform, within our app. So we spent a lot of time identifying the need for this community. You know, what are we trying to solve for with our parents? How would they want to interact on this community? And then how best do we integrate that into our app? So we spent a while doing that. And then now that we've launched the community, it's really just growing, connecting with our users and members, um, figuring out what other engagement programs we want to build and continuing to integrate it across the company. So that's my job at a high level. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, as someone who is not a parent and honestly doesn't know much about parenting, I feel like sleep is the thing that I hear the most about. So it makes sense that you've created a space for people to come together to talk about this very important aspect of both your life, but also your baby's life. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, definitely. And I think sleep is so precious. And especially for new parents, I think everyone is trying to figure out how can I make sure that my baby is sleeping the best of its ability, depending on its age. And then with that, babies change so quickly. So when you feel supported and that you have the expert guidance and advice to kind of help you through that journey, and then where the community really comes in is in addition to that expert guidance that you're getting either through us in our app, your pediatrician, all of the books that you're reading, sometimes you really just want to talk to another parent who's at the same phase as you are. And especially with tiny babies, you know, they change so quickly. So the way that a baby is acting when they're two weeks old is so different than your friend whose baby's four months old. So part of the community is really bringing those people together 
creating a really supportive and trusting space where you can go in and say, my baby was up 12 times last night. She's not taking her bottle. I can't soothe her. She doesn't like to be swaddled. And then there's other people that say, oh, we were, I'm just going through that too. So you can commiserate together, but then also find that support and guidance that you need. Yeah. Sometimes all you need to hear is that someone else is experiencing the same thing as you to kind of validate your own experience or make you feel like you're not crazy. This is a real experience that other people are having too. Yep, absolutely. So we often talk about scaling communities at CMX and in the industry, but I want to hear about, you know, starting a community from scratch. So what has your experience been with building a community from the ground up? I think the beauty of starting a community from scratch is that you have the opportunity to really build exactly what your members really need. So I'm very passionate about identifying the pain points. I think especially when you're starting a community from scratch, the number one most important thing to do is talk to your members or who your target members would be and really understand how they would use this community space, what problems they're trying to solve and how the community could help solve for them. So when starting a community from scratch, you have the opportunity to really do a lot of that fact finding, spend the time doing that, where when you inherit a community or you're trying to scale it, sometimes you're not gifted the time. So we really were very thoughtful around that process and making sure that we got feedback throughout building the strategy from our members um, to make sure, you know, we were building something that, that they would really want to use every single day. And I think Nanit especially really understood that launching a community takes time. I think for us, it was definitely over a year in the making. I think conversations about community building started even before that. So we were very thoughtful when we went through the strategic planning portion and then moved, you know, closer into the actual launch. And then I really think, you know, when you get to do it yourself from the beginning, from scratch, it makes the launch of the community so much more satisfying when you kind of see all of your hard work come to fruition. I think it's so nice that you had the time and the space from your organization. I think a lot of times community professionals talk about, you know, having a crazy deadline or a ridiculous timeline to work within. But I'd also like to hear what changed. Like, I mean, you you did your research, you asked the users what they wanted. Has there been much change in the programs you've offered and stuff since that initial launch? Yeah. So I would say our strategy changed a lot even before we launched. So kind of what we set out to build, it's not wildly far from like our initial plan. But I think what we identified is we want to make sure that we have the resources to support it. And a huge piece, as I mentioned earlier of this, is our development within our app. So we have to fit into our developer sprints. So I think what we really decided to do is phase everything out. So we had our MVP launch, which was really phase one. Let's give it three to six months to really take a look at the data, identify how people are using things, what they're using that we built, and then we can continue to grow and iterate. So there were definitely things that, you know, we kind of wanted to have in our phase one of, of our launch, um, but maybe have been pushed out more to like phase two or three. So I would say that's kind of how things have changed is just based on like bandwidth and the resources that we have. So really trying to hone in on the things that are going to have the biggest impact. Yeah, that makes sense. And so when we talk about impact, how are you measuring the success of your community? Is it like for 
uh, new customers? Is it NPS? How are you measuring that success? Yeah. So for for our community, we're really focusing on three pillars. So the first being ticket deflection. We definitely have a, a place in our community where we see this as a way to help our customers find answers quicker. And so that's really going to help our CS team at the end of the day. Then also there's a pillar of acquisition and, and brand awareness. And so we definitely want to pull in more people to our community in the hope that they'll learn about Nanit um, and kind of come into our world that way. And then the third definitely being customer experience. So we want to think about our current customers and how do we meet their needs and we can leverage them for product feedback when we're launching new products and things like that. So those are kind of the three areas that we really track closely. And I would say in my experience of community, especially when you think about ROI, it doesn't happen overnight. So we're thinking about how can we track, you know, phase one with really with KPIs that we can really tie back to our organization's overall goals. I think that's really important with community and something I found in my career is that if the KPIs that you're tracking for your community are somewhat siloed and aren't tying back to your organizational goals, it can be really difficult in the long run then to prove the community's ROI. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And I think that every community's KPIs and metrics are different because they should be based on the organization's main business goals. But a thought that I just had was because your community and your product is very much for people who are in a very certain stage of, you know, life as their child grows, maybe they don't need the product anymore. So how do you, I guess, make sure that the churn of your members isn't based on the community, but it's just based on the natural life cycle of the people who are using your product? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. So basically in our world, we talk about LTV, which is lifetime value. So we have an idea about what our LTV is of our current customer. And there's a lot of things that we're doing to try to increase that, right? So that we can have a longer time that we're spending with our customer, that they're they're using our products. Um, so part of that is obviously having additional products outside of the camera that they can use as their baby continues to grow. And then our hope is that the community can also play into that as well. So if they're creating connections and we offer meetup groups by location, by child age, and they're creating these really strong connections in our community, maybe they'll be more bought into Nanit and want to use our product more still too early to tell because our community is is just three months old at this point, but that's kind of how we're thinking about like the retention piece of it. And, and also knowing that there is going to be a cyclical nature to the community membership, because there's going to be a point where they might age out of the community. Yeah. And all you can hope is that this person will have loved their time in the community so much that when they know friends and family who are going to be reaching the, the place, they'll say, you need to join this community. Exactly. That's the ultimate goal for sure. And when we think about, you know, how to create really meaningful connections, that's a huge piece of it. I think like the community, we, we see it's like, we want people to love Nanit and it have such an impact on the early days. And then as their baby grows, but we really want the community to have that same type of impact our members. Awesome. Well, I would love to hear if you, knowing what you know now about the launch phase and, you know, you're three months in and all of the work you did before launch, what advice would you give to yourself, you know, a year and a half ago when you started this journey? Gosh, that's a good question. I would say, take a deep breath. It's all going to be okay. I think especially like launching a community 
even though it, I've done this many times and I've worked with a lot of different organizations launching communities, it's so nerve wracking. Like the weeks leading up to launch, like even though you know you're basing it all off of the strategy, off of the conversations that you've had with your members, you're still, there's this like fear of like, well, what if nobody joins? And what if nobody talks? But then in your head, you're like, well, okay, if that happens, like I'll know what to do and like we can work on it. But at the end of the day, that's really never going to happen if you've spent the time doing the strategic planning piece of it. So I think the advice to myself would be take a deep breath. It's it's going to be fine. <laughs> I love that advice. I feel like we can carry that advice throughout other aspects of our life as well. And of course, it's easier said than done because community professionals wrap, there's so much emotion wrapped up in the work that we do, you know, building meaningful connections is emotional work. So it can be hard to not worry that people aren't going to show up, people aren't going to talk, or it's like throwing a party. What if nobody shows up to my party? It's hard to not take that personally. Totally agree. And I think, you know, the interesting thing about community is that it's such a it's not a science. It's a mix of a science and an art. It's so personal. It's all about relationship building and understanding people. And like, you know, we all, especially in the community space. And when I talk to other community leaders and people are building community, it's so interesting to get their perspective because I think you can learn so much from how someone has done something so differently and it's still been incredibly successful. So I feel like it's really refreshing to work in an industry where you have the ability to test things out and try something and say, you know, I've never done it this way before. It might not work, but that's okay because we can always iterate and we can try something else if it doesn't. Yep, absolutely. So just take a deep breath because it's all going to be okay. Okay, I have one last question. And this is one that I ask to all of my guests. Who is a community builder that you would love to grab lunch with? Okay, love this question. I'm going to say Erica Cool, and we actually did work together, but I'd love to have lunch with her because I've never gotten to meet her in person. So we've only worked together virtually. So I think it would be so fun if we could actually meet together face to face and have lunch. I would very much enjoy that. Cool. Well, I hope that that can happen one day in person, like you said, you know, perhaps maybe at a CMX <laughs> summit in person in the future, you can, can meet for lunch. Well, anyway, Melanie, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the Community Corner. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about how to create your own community, go to pod.bevy.com. That's pod.bevy.com. This is the Community Corner, and I'm Beth McIntyre. <laughs>